Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 109. Hey everyone, it's your friend Avanti and welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. Well, here we go, rolling right into the last month of the year, December. Here in the United States, it's that time of year between Thanksgiving Day and New Year's Day when everyone starts to downshift just a little, wrapping up their projects and tasks from the past year while also looking forward and planning for the coming year. It's really a time of looking back and also looking forward. And so this month on the podcast, our intention is work and our health because so many of us are reflecting on what we've done last year and looking forward to what we're going to do in the new year. So I thought it would be a really great time for all of us to learn from and be inspired by some incredible women who happen to be in my orbit, who are doing really innovative things in business, specifically in the health and wellness world, in Ayurvedic skincare and marketing, and who are bringing new ways of leading and thinking to their spaces. To kick off this month and our discussion of work and our health, today I'm joined by Kat Cole, the president, COO, and board director of Athletic Greens, a wellness and consumer brand and one of the fastest growing nutrition companies in the world. Kat has led and scaled consumer brands for two decades and was previously president and COO of Focus Brands, the global owner, franchiser, and operator of brands including Schlotsky's, Caravelle, Cinnabon, Moe's, McAllister's, Auntie Annie's, Pretzels, and Jamba Juice, doing billions of omni-channel annual sales across over 70 countries. She's also on the board of directors for Milk Bar, Human Co., SPAC, and Slice, an angel investor in over 70 early stage companies, and she's an advisor to growth stage founders and funds. In our conversation, Kat and I discuss her journey from consumer brands in the indulgent category to one of the fastest growing consumer brands in the wellness category and the through line that connects it all for her personally. We also dive into the business of wellness and the unique challenge of balancing profit and purpose. Kat also shares her own personal philosophy on how wellness is a leadership tool, her approach to health and wellness and balancing it all. I met Kat back in January this year, and I was sharing my experience with Athletic Greens, both personally and professionally, given the Ayurvedic components of AG1. Since then, we've kept in touch, and when we decided on this month's intention, I knew I had to have her on the podcast, because I know how much she's inspired me, and I'm sure she'll inspire all of you too. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Kat Cole about the business of wellness and using wellness as a leadership tool as we explore work and our health. Well, hello, Kat. It is so great to be with you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really, really excited to talk to you. And we've been trying to do this for a long time. So thank you so much. Yeah, super excited. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure. We met almost a year ago at Beyond at an event here in Chicago. And ever since then, we've kind of kept in touch through a crazy year. I think we've both had a lot of health stuff going on. And it's just great to be with you. So you are now at Athletic Greens and you have such a an amazing business history and everything that you've done. So I thought it would be really fun to talk to you about this. And so I really just wanted to start maybe with one of the things I think that's most interesting about you from my perspective is that you went from a completely different industry, Cinnabon and the Focus Brands, and you're now at Athletic Greens in the health and wellness sector. Like what motivated that shift? Because you were a rising star. I mean, you were at the top, in, at Cinnabon and Focus Brands. So this is a big change. What, what motivated that? You know, there are some things that are 
you know, to your point, so different, especially from the outside. And then there are things that are to me a very obvious progression of my journey. So one, it's all consumer brands. So it's physical products. It's in the supplement space, but cousin of food and beverage. And so there's a lot of common customer approaches, insights, innovation, resourcing. So, you know, I'm able to use so much of the same muscle um, across the businesses. What is different is one, Athletic Greens is at least today, solely e-commerce and solely direct to consumer through drinkag1.com. Whereas my other businesses were all fully multi-channel. And as you mentioned, you know, while I was president of Cinnabon, I spent more time as president of Focus Brands, the parent company, which had in it a range of brands that included indulgent brands like Carvel and Auntie Anne's and Cinnabon. So very indulgent, sugar and fat, not meant for everyday consumption, full of the bad stuff, but in, you know, intended to be something occasional, to brands that were more center of the plate, lunch and dinner, McAllister's, Moe's, Schlotzky's, where you can eat very healthy and clean, or you can eat on the more indulgent side. Like you can have a bowl of queso at Moe's if you wish. You can also eat vegan, paleo, you know, and, and incredibly healthy. So we had several brands in the portfolio, those three, where salads, soups, et cetera, were a core part of the menu. And so what I oversaw was this breadth beyond the indulgent. And then we had a really interesting brand in the middle, which was Jamba Juice, that we took private. And it was very interesting because at one time, Jamba was the chain that set the tone for healthful fast food. Absolutely. It was, it was more... Even when it started, it was more juice than smoothies. It was fresh pressed carrots. If you remember, remember, fresh pressed carrots smelled like fresh oranges every time you went in, was born out of San Francisco. So a very progressive tech oriented. And then over time, it turned into smoothies, which turned into more indulgent smoothies. And then the juice and smoothie category changed into something more green, more healthful, more plant-based, less sugar more pro- meal replacement. And so Jamba went in this direction of fun for you while the smoothie and juice category moved much closer to good for you. And so when we took it private, it was this opportunity. And this is an example of the link between the me that champions AG1 and health and the me that was championing change within a brand like Jamba Juice. When we took it private, while we needed to keep it what it was as a brand, still very connected to a, a younger consumer, a more indulgent, preferring a very flavor quest customer, we set out for all innovation to cut sugar, in some cases in half, to triple the plant-based options. There was only one at the time in terms of proteins or milk alternatives, and to for existing products to lower sugar and bring in more natural products. And so while the average person wouldn't look at AG1 and my time at Athletic Greens and connect it to focus brands, this pursuit of healthfulness and to provide that at scale was actually present my entire time at focus brands. And I had a few brands like Moe's or like Jamba where I could do that more literally. And then there were other brands where it was about you're doing something indulgent and you want to just make sure you have the highest ingredient integrity approach to doing something indulgent. So that's a connection between the two. But the other thing that was happening behind the scenes is for a decade, I've been an angel investor in better for you brands. And whether that was a more healthful beverage or drink or in the kind of peak, the CBD, emergence of CBD and thinking about cannabinoids as a solution for inflammation and in particular challenges for women, I was really excited to invest in those categories and then also investing in small business tech and other technology areas, including Web3. And so that is the thing that's not on my resume that you can't see in my focus brands time that had me working with founders, very health forward companies and companies that were venture backed versus private equity owned. And so when you put all those in a gumbo you get something that really does look like it belongs together in total. But when people say, wow, Cinnabon and Athletic Greens, that's a massive journey. There's so much nuance and experience and where I put my time and energy in between that does make leading 
AG and championing a all-in-one nutrition product like AG1, a bit of an obvious journey, but you've got to, to your point in asking the question, you have to dig a little to get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's a really interesting story. And I figured, you know, with someone as thoughtful as you and as brilliant as you, there must've been some, you know, natural progression that was happening, but how, how did you decide on athletic greens? Because as you said, you were already an angel investing in a lot of small brands and health focused brands. Why athletic greens specifically? I mean, I, one, I was a customer prior, so I was already fangirl. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> and, and aware. So, mm-hmm. so, and we talked about this yes. when we met. Yeah. So I, I at least, I didn't have that hurdle to jump. I knew what it was. I appreciated it. There was so much I didn't know and didn't appreciate, but what I did appreciate was enough to make me excited about the brand. But the short version is in the year that I was taking off after operating in Focus Brands for 10 years, I took what I thought was going to be a year off to just advise and invest. One of the founders that reached out to me for me to advise them was Chris Ashenden, the founder and CEO of Athletic Greens. And so that was really exciting. The brand was, you know, smaller to midsize compared to what I've run in the, you know, with billions and sales and millions of customers served every day in many cases. Um, yet it was much faster growing, you know, hyper growth uh, was very clear. It was on its way to be something truly big and meaningful. It was also bigger than I thought. And so from a scale perspective, that was different. And at first I thought, you know, is going something earlier stage, I won't even use the word smaller, but just earlier stage, you know, the right thing, the highest and best use of my time. And very quickly, I got to see that that was not only not a question, but it was so clear that this was the right thing at the right time. I could apply my experience and my talents. I could learn and grow. I could help grow a business with a product that I was deeply proud of and passionate about and work with an incredible human in the founder. Yeah. No, amazing. So how would you say that the core mission of Athletic Greens aligns with your sort of personal values? You've talked about the professional and sort of that growth, but how did it connect with you personally? You know, I've said a couple decades now when people will say, what's your purpose or what's your mission? One of my most common answers that comes to mind is I am here to help people realize they're capable of more than they know. I've been saying that since I was 19, 20 years old, that whether I'm coaching a franchisee, leading an executive, working with and inspiring an hourly workforce, you know, all the different things I've done, it's all just been a version, a different version of the same job, which is helping people realize they're capable of more than they know. And there's a lot more than that, but that's what's happening. And that's what brings me the most joy when that is the journey I'm on, the work I'm doing, when it's apparent that that's the result or there's the potential for that result. And the literal mission of AG and AG1 as a product is to empower people on their health ownership journey. It is to help them realize they are capable of more than they know through the filter of nutrition. And so that to me is a direct intersection. Then add to it my very specific journey around health, wellness, and nutrition. There are many reasons why I came to it. One, I'm, you know, I've, I've, even though I've run indulgent brands, I've always indexed toward health and fitness personally. Um, But over time, as I've gotten older, had health scares, had health scares in my family, had children, had miscarriages, had children later, all, these are just all extra reasons. Like taking care of our bodies is reason enough, taking care of the temple that is our physical space. But these were my extra drivers that made me listen to podcasts more, read more, learn, not be able to unhear the research that I heard, not be able to unlearn the stories I heard, and then being motivated enough to apply it to my life, walking more, eating more healthily, smart supplementation, um, getting enough macronutrients, lifting weights, right? These prioritizing my sleep, you know, all these pillars, they just became a bigger part of my intentional life. My what's on my calendar, what gives me energy? What do I actually not just talk about, but make sure is happening in my day. And so that that's been happening in my life. So those two things are missions literally align and 
I personally have become more intentional and passionate about nutrition and health and wellness. And so this is, you know, bullseye. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's such a common thing that I hear from so many founders who are in the health and wellness sector, health professionals, educators, people like me who are making a transition from clinical work to more educational work and speaking. It's all this mission of aligning things that we are encountering personally. And then we find this alignment with the work that we're doing. And it just makes it so much more powerful. So I think that that's incredible. Um, and it shows. It shows in, in the work that you're doing and you know the growth that AG1 has had since you've been there. I mean, that's coming from a passion, including, you know, of course, there's a lot of interest around it, but definitely your passion is there. Uh, so how would you say that you know, leading a company that's in the health and wellness industry, how is that different than leading in the other consumer goods space that you were in before? I know they're all, as you said, food and beverage, yeah. but still, yeah. how is it different? Definite difference. I mean, one, when you are with when you have a product that is built for the purpose of nutritional support and built on studies and bodies of research of the connection between those ingredients that make up that nutritional support and the research of what those ingredients do or can do, that's a very different animal. You know, when we're marketing a cinnamon roll or a chicken burrito or a salad or a flatbread at Schlotzky's, never are we talking about what it does for you. What we talk about is how delicious it is, right? Like it's about taste, it's about texture, it's about experience or customization. In the health and wellness space and specifically in supplements and nutrition, there's a different layer of responsibility and marketing do's and don'ts on one hand, you want people to really know and appreciate what plants and these ingredients from the earth can or will or should support in the body, especially if one's diet isn't robust and complete. And even if it is, our food is not as nutrient dense as it once was. But there's a line between that and helping people understand what it can do, what the research says it does, and making claims that are wild and far beyond what should be claimed. And there's a reason the FTC and the FDA have regulations around claims and messaging and labels. And, and while people say things like, well, supplements are not FDA regulated, it's not food. The FDA is very involved still because it goes in people's bodies. And the FTC, as they should, tightly regulate what you can say. And it's actually quite frustrating because in, I mean, it's good and there's a reason that it's there. But in restaurants, I can tell you exactly what all my customers say about the food. If they say, this burrito changed my life, I can put that on social media and tell you that Julie said, this burrito changed my life. If someone says, AG1 helped me with a very specific illness or issue, I cannot repost that. I cannot retweet it. It is viewed as a claim especially if it's referencing a specific disease. Now that customer can say it all they want. And I can have thousands of customers telling me that, but I cannot say it. And so there is this very interesting tension between people who have amazing experiences with our product and wanting them to tell that story, but never in a way that promises that that's the exact experience someone else is going to have. Our bodies are so nuanced and plants are medicine. Food is messaging for ourselves. And, and so that just makes the exercise of connecting the product and the messaging far more nuanced and with a heavier layer of responsibility in saying and doing and telling people the potential of the product, what the research says the ingredients in the product can do, but never crossing the line to making a promise you shouldn't make. And there's Unfortunately, there's a lot of companies that are pretty small that do cross that line and no one cares because they're small. When you're larger, you have to, I mean, we've always held ourselves to a high standard, but now that we're larger, there's just that extra visibility because we're impacting more people's lives. So the seriousness, you know, that we take being a nutrition and health product, and I would say that applies to anyone who's in the health 
sector. Yep. Yeah. That feels like what's most notably different to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so how does that show up in the challenges of leading a team then? I mean, that, that's got to be a constant struggle of sort of this, you know, between what is your purpose and good for people versus business, right? And profit, because, you know, we live in the real world. We got to make profit on this business too. So that's got to be a really interesting dynamic. And how do you straddle that? You know, the good news is there's plenty we can say and staying so above board. So there's never a temptation to push it or stretch. What's harder is, you know, we're growing, we're hiring people from different industries and they, we have to do a lot of training to make sure they understand these nuances. So for example, like our legal team and regulatory team just did this amazing training for our our whole company. It's required. Uh, And they were just talking about the nuances of saying, you know, as an example, supports occasional bloating or constipation is, is okay to say addresses constipation is not okay to say, right? Like, so it means understanding that well-intended PR, marketing, communications people in an effort to craft a better headline, a more compelling article will use normal people language, understand. And so we have to put the systems to not only train and help people understand what to say and how to say it, to always be so above board and hold the highest standard, like under promise, over deliver always. But then we have to have a lot of processes for internal review uh, because you still, no matter how much you train people are not going to catch it all. And so that means you have to have the process and the training and the talent to, you know, to navigate those requirements. And then there's the other side. We're talking about the marketing angle. And a lot of people think of marketing when they think of AG because we're such a force out certainly in media. But the other part is manufacturing. And we put no sugars, no artificial sweeteners, all natural, no juices, no artificial flavoring. And yet it's 75 ingredients, whole food sourced, natural products. And those things change the seasons change. We get bigger. We need to get apples from a different crop in a different area of the region. And it changes the taste. And we have a blending technology that helps us keep things kind of in a similar zip code, but it's hard. It is unbelievably difficult. The, the process and the order. And, and so that is the other piece that's very different from restaurants, right? You, you work with a food manufacturer or a farm you get the speck of vegetable or bread or meat that you want. You then work with a chef to create the flavors that are the flavors that you want. You put that together, you create a recipe, and then you train everyone on the recipe, and then you have to QA the restaurants. But that's it, right? Set it and forget it. Things don't like change. You don't have to constantly address that. In AG1, in a whole food source, not artificially altered product, because it would be easy for us to do that. Our manufacturing partners would love to have the simplicity of me just layering in a big flavor chunk and then doesn't matter what changes, it masks it all. We won't do it. We refuse. And therefore, it is very complicated to do. Like we say in our company, we do what's really hard and complicated to make something very important, very simple for our customers. The quality, the consistency, but I never had to spend this much time on supply chain. in my previous companies because it's got less nuance and complexity. This, and not just supply chain, but ingredients, sourcing, quality, regulatory, right? Everything around this is science. Um, And the marketing is art and science. The making of the thing is science uh, and nature. And so that is a whole different banana. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. And so... This is bringing up for me the question of how you have grown so big. And I feel like it's so much this community piece that I think is so incredibly, you know, essential to building any company, to building any sort of platform or to have that impact and wide reach. So why do you think the community has been so essential for AG1 specifically? 
I mean, one, I think community is at the heart of any great brand and any brand now that is ubiquitous, you could go back earlier in their journey and see where they meaningfully seeded IRL communities or digital communities. Um, and, and there are so many things that come to mind. One, we do invest heavily in digital marketing. We have an amazing product and we are desperate for the people we love to drink AG1 because it's really good for them. So that means you invest in telling people about it. But a downside of being such a strong marketing force is some customers will say, or some people will say, well, if you have to market that hard, is it really that good? Or, man, I'm seeing the commercials everywhere. You're spending all your money on that. It can't be that good. So there can be a dark side of marketing and community, trusted recommendations. So maybe someone hears about AG1 on Instagram, and then they hear a podcast and the podcaster talks about AG1. And then maybe they see a television commercial, but they still don't buy. They're like, they're just becoming aware and maybe being aware that it's the leader in the space and probably can tell it's premium, but not yet it's for me. But the minute they go for their group running club the next morning or their book club or their cycling group and they see someone shake up an AG1, they're going to go, I've heard about that. Is it really good? Why do you take it? You know, and then they're sold and then they buy. And so community is at the heart of authenticity. It is the counterbalance to traditional marketing that is necessary. But it is also where we get insights. We get insights from research. We get insights from one-on-one conversations with our customers. But being in community, which is really more hearing people talk about their lives and what they're navigating and what they're going through, helps us think about how to resonate, how to support, how to show up in their world. Yeah, no, I would I would completely agree with everything you said. And it actually is bringing up for me a conversation you and I had earlier this year when I was just at the beginning of my breast cancer healing journey. And I shared with you that I was using AG1 as part of my fasting mimicking around my chemotherapy. Again, you know, I was talking about the data that, you know, some of the data around fasting mimicking and that one of my integrative doctors suggested using AG1 as a tool, right? Again, not making any claims. And so that for me became, you know, such a core piece of my health journey that all of my friends, all my family who were involved in taking care of me, of helping me saw that I was taking AG1. I talked about it on the podcast, right? So it's all this community of our own experiences with it for whatever is going on in our own lives. And, you know, now three other people in my family are taking it, my husband and both my adult kids, right? So (laughs) it's, it's very, very powerful, very powerful. So yeah, I want to just switch gears a little here because we've talked about, you know, the business of wellness basically. And I would really like to talk to you about how we can use wellness as a leadership tool, because I think that you have a lot of insight into this. And, and so how do you think that wellness can be a leadership tool in any business. You could talk about the business that you're in, but where do you see that? One, I think it is this opportunity first to define or continue to redefine what a great leader is, does, how they model behavior. And so there's one side of the answer to this question, which is Health is not an acceptable trade-off for business success or management responsibilities. And when leaders clearly prioritize their health and wellness, it has a, an effect on what other people believe success looks like. And I think we're seeing a shift in this. You can even see like billionaires and titans of industry, all of a sudden they're jacked, right? They're like doing, they're vegan or they're, they're eating clean and they're working out and they're so it's happening. And not that that is the pillar of success or leadership, but it's an example, you know, of how previously you just see like this, you know, whether it was very successful tech founders or politicians, or there wasn't a lot of focus on fitness and health. And there very much is now. Uh, you can see it in how they show up in the world, what businesses, brands they affiliate themselves with. So I do think that's. Changing. Uh, the other 
So that stands out to me. Like if leaders are clear that they prioritize their health, whether it's when they share their schedule or what they talk about from time to time or how they protect themselves if they're getting ill or navigating something, that that should be an inseparable part of what a great leader does. They take care of themselves so they can take care of others and others learn to take care of themselves. But then there's this idea of wellness and uh, the practices, the rituals, the community around wellness, the engagement that are a part of a transform a transformation to a healthier lifestyle. It's very hard to do that alone. Very hard to do that alone. So this idea of using wellness as an engagement and a community and connection tool or mechanism that then can help with leadership of many things feels still like an opportunity that's missed. And, and when we talk wellness, when we talk health, you know, there are these core pillars and community and relationships is one of those, however many people have heard, we used five pillars, community, that, that social health, community and relationships, intimate relationships are a pillar of health. And so the idea of wellness in its totality, not just nutrition, not just fitness, um, but mental health and community and social health and, you know, fresh air, nature, which connects to health of the planet. And these, if these things were more demonstrated as pillars of leadership and as pillars of management and were prioritized in groups, companies, organizations, I think we'd all be better off. And I, again, I think a lot of companies are doing this and are on a, a journey, but those seem like big opportunities to connect wellness and leadership. Yeah. And so how do you do that at AG1? How, how do you think that that idea of wellness, I mean, you're at a health-focused wellness brand and mm -hmm. the assumption would be that it's just built in, right? Which probably it is, but I'm sure you have to foster that. How do you do that? Yeah, we do have an unfair advantage given that our mission Absolutely. is to empower people on their journey. But to your point, there are plenty of companies out there that do one thing for the customer and do not model that for their teams. Uh, and we do. So I'd start first with the foundation of just our culture. Uh, and we have cultural values that embody elements of wellness, one of them being something Chris has said for a long time that his purpose is to help people live their one spectacular life, whatever that means to them, being on a journey, learning, growing. It doesn't mean summiting Everest necessarily. It's just living your one spectacular life, which could include spending time with family. Uh, and because that is his cultural tenant, we are very much founder shaped, of course, because we are still founder led. Uh, this idea that that is what he wants for himself. It is what he wants for his family. It's what he wants for the world. And certainly the space in between there is what he wants for his company. And he believes health and family are not acceptable sacrifices for business outcomes. But we also believe that both can be true. You can prioritize your health and your family and your social health and deliver exceptional work. We are fully global and remote. People work from anywhere. We have unlimited time off. We have some of the best health benefits I have ever seen. And all the layers of things that you can imagine, support and stipends for mental health, extra resources for proactive diagnostics, again, still top tier, very comprehensive medical benefits, unbelievably long, healthily long, parental leave, bereavement leave, you know, the things that people need. So all the space, all the resources, all the benefits that I consider exceptional, but I would also say to your point, given who we are as a company, you should expect that that's what we do. And so we do that and live up to it and evolve it and grow it constantly. Uh, and then we have to model that. So as an example, Chris, we have unlimited PTO, unlimited vacation. But when you have unlimited vacation, Sometimes people are even less likely to take it. I know. Um, and, and so Chris, the founder with me and CEO says, all right, Kat, I want it on the calendar. When is the next time you're going to take two weeks off or three weeks off? I want it on the calendar. And he nags me, nags me until it is done. It's not that I don't want it. It's just that I'm so in the business. I'm not even thinking about when it's going to be. And we completely turn off certain elements of technological access. like. We always say, look, if you wouldn't 
go into a physical office at 9 p.m. And some people would, but if you wouldn't, don't open up Slack at 9 p.m., right? Like, so we have to protect people's mental health and prevent burnout and encourage people to use all the benefits and the flexibility that we have. Just because we have it doesn't mean everyone uses it. We have to model it, lead it from the top, encourage it, reward it, recognize it, and call it out when people aren't using it. I think that that's incredible. I mean, kudos to you. And I will say this existed before I joined. I mean, this is true. This is true in the roots of the company. I, of course, have brought my piece to it. This is, these are the roots yeah. of the company. No, it's incredible. And, and I think that, you know, it's so, and to your point that, you know, you have all these benefits and there's a lot of people who won't take them. They have to be sort of cajoled into taking them. It's, you know, it's such an interesting thing because I've been talking to a lot of founders about business and health and work and leadership. And so much of this is we have been programmed to think work should be, right? And how we think we should conduct work. And then, you know, with with the access to technology that has happened in my in your lifetimes. I mean, I didn't have it when I was in college, right? But this has all happened since the ability to be available 24-7. And then people think that you should be available <laughs> 24-7, right? There's no limits. And so I think that, you know, this idea of a company coming in and saying, no, we need to put limits around this. We need to create some balance for people. And I do think that to your point that it actually helps people bring their best to work. Because if you're balanced in life, you're not getting burnt out. You, you have that balance of, you know, your relationships and your social engagement and your mental health and your time in nature and your nutrition, like, and your fitness, all of these things, all the things that we talk about in Ayurveda and, you know, we've talked about, so how much there's the like Ayurveda in AG1, which I love that there's that, there's that connection to Ayurveda and so I feel that, you know, when I started looking at your company many years ago, I've been using your product for so many years, that was what kind of attracted me was reading sort of the marketing, reading about the company, reading about the ingredients and seeing that thread to Ayurveda. That was so important to me. So I just, I think it's really interesting. So I have, a, you know, I'm wondering how have your own personal wellness practices do you think changed and evolved since you've been at AG1? One, I have gotten much more uh, rigorous. Uh, so for example, because we're fully remote, I, in front of a screen more often. And even during COVID, when I was running focus brands and we were remote like everyone, not by design, but by force, I was a bit sort of like many people, I would just be on Zoom all day and be sitting all day. And there are few things worse for the body than just sitting all day. So now I have a stand-up desk. I have a timer to make sure I'm standing up and walking throughout the day. I have multiple meetings a week where they are walking meetings and people know it. And it's, you know, AirPods walking. And it's funny when I say, hey, this is going to be a walking meeting. They're like, you know what? That's a great idea. I'm going to do that too. And so it enables this, it's like permission to be off camera. And so that, that's one example of just more aware, more conscious of the little health things and the, and then the big things. So I'm even more intentional about my nutrition. I've gone much deeper into research around gut health, the gut brain connection, because of our scientific advisor, Andrew Huberman and his research and work, I am out getting sunlight in my eyes every single day in order to, you know, in order to jumpstart my system. So I'm just more intentional and serious. That's wonderful. I think that it's incredible that you're taking that to heart. You know, and I think also when you're surrounded by the research of all these things that are good for you, it's like, it. you can't unlearn it. Exactly. I cold plunge multiple times a week. I'm in a sauna multiple times a week. I, uh, it's like, those are my investments now. Those are my, the things I do. And, and it just, it's, it's an investment in me, right? It's just, and I'll prioritize that over other things. And this, it is exactly what you said. I can't unlearn. I can't unhear. And once I know, then if I have the ability to apply these 
improvements to my life and I don't, I'm literally choosing to stack the odds against me to thrive, to be stronger, to potentially live longer. I mean, there are no guarantees either way, but I want to, like the Hunger Games, maybe odds forever be in your favor. Like I'm trying to stack the odds in my favor. And so if someone says, here's how to get a 100% increase in your likelihood of not getting something bad or living past a certain age, and it is within your means and it is accessible and you don't do it. Just think about that. You don't do it. And and none of us should be so hard on ourselves to hold us to every little tiny perfect thing because that's the other side of this coin. Um, I still have sweet treats sometimes. I enjoy with my kids. There are days that I don't work out. There are days that I skip the sauna. But on balance, I am choosing to invest in my health as a greater and greater percentage of my time and activities over time than the previous day, week, month, or year. So there's two things that came up for me while you were speaking, because I'm resonating so deeply with what you're saying, is that first of all, I always say, once you see Ayurveda, you can't unsee it. I've said that to my patients and my students and my family for on this podcast for years, that once you see that, you're not going to be able to unsee it because it's everywhere. So it's, it's to your point that once you read the research and you're thinking about these things, you can't unsee it. You know, you just can't. The second thing that I would say is that for me, when I first started this journey with breast cancer at the beginning of the year, I was pissed off. I was really pissed off, really upset. And in a lot of pity party, a lot of anger, a lot of fear, the whole thing. And over that seven month period of going through the treatment, what I came to was that all of these things that I had been doing, these practices, the un, the, you know, the, the inability to unsee and unlearn what I had learned, right? Doing the Ayurvedic practices, doing the nutrition, doing the fasting, mimicking, all these things. What they did was they didn't necessarily prevent me from getting breast cancer because here I am, right? No genetic history, no genetic markers, but it made me go through the treatment a lot smoother. I had a very, very good prognosis. I had an amazing result, had less symptoms and side effects, right? So it's almost, and I've been saying this, it was protective, right? So all these things we're talking about, even taking AG1 from my perspective, you know, again, as someone who uses it, it's protective of your health. It may not prevent you from getting X, Y, and Z, because that, you know, that's just whatever's going to happen is going to happen, but it's going to protect you and make it a little bit easier. So those are the two things that I thought of when you were speaking. I think that that's really important to keep in mind, you know, because we can get into perfectionism otherwise, because a lot of people will call me or text me or email me or message me on Instagram and say, you know, what is your routine? What do you do? And it's almost like they want to mimic it exactly. And I understand the the wanting to do that. And at the same time, there's a dangerous slippery slope we can get on of perfectionism and then feeling bad about ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, do the best you can every day and have the intention of living healthier every day, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I would love to hear, where do you think the health and wellness sector is going? You know, what are your predictions? Where do you see it? What are some exciting things that you think are coming in this sector, in this health and wellness sector? I mean, one which is sorely needed is an elevation of standards and an improvement in transparency and quality. And so because the nutrition and supplement space has not been viewed as a standard bearer in quality and transparency, and people have gotten away with a lot of bad things in the space, so there's well-earned criticism there. What we're seeing is a move to more research, more science, more strictness and claims, and more responsibility. And so that across the board, but certainly very present in nutrition, and I'm so deep in it, is an exciting trend, and we're excited to lead that trend. But there's you can see a lot of good signs happening with brands across the board. Um, I think the other side is this continued expansion of people wanting access to support for their health, wellness, nutrition journey. So the TAM, the total addressable market for customers who are on a health journey is just growing. Like To your point, people don't unlearn what they've heard. 
you see studies about the age group that is focused on longevity is now as young as the early 30s. And they're they're watching, they're listening, they're picking up, they're they may not be as concerned because they're closer to birth than they are the end in most cases, but uh, they care. They're reading about it. They're listening. They're they're reducing behaviors that are typically associated with being younger because they are also associated with health negative health outcomes. Um, that's fascinating to me. Um, fascinating. So I think this just continues. I don't think it slows down. I think it continues. I think it accelerates. It further accelerates if there are you know, moments of extreme illness in someone's personal life or in the world broadly. And, but it's not like it goes up and it comes back down. It goes up and it's kind of a new baseline. And then we, we go from there. So I think that's going to continue as an opportunity, which also means on the flip side of me saying there's more trust and transparency and science coming because the market is growing. There's going to be lots more people flooding in, making a X for Y a pill for this, a stretch for that, a machine for that. And somewhere in there is good stuff. And somewhere in there is a predatory brand. And somewhere in there is someone in the middle who thinks they're doing something good, but not the right way. And so the responsibility for customers to do their research, to be informed also increases as the market expands and more people flood into it. Um, And I think there's also a very real um, if evolution of how people feel about health and wellness thought leaders, because thought leaders become platforms and brands themselves. And again, just like I was saying with marketing, it is unfortunate that even someone who has no reason to have their credibility questioned, but if they have a giant podcast, people say, you know, well, they have sponsors. So are they authentic? Do they really believe that? And it can bring something that shouldn't be in question into question. And so this dynamic of trust and trying to figure out who you can trust and why you can trust them is just a very real journey all consumers are on of any space. But when you layer in health and wellness, where, and it's why one of the reasons AG1 is so powerful, it's confusing because there are so many options and there are so many companies and there are equal amounts of conflicting research out there, even legitimate research. It's hard to know what's right or to build on what you said before, at least hard to know what's right for you. And, and so, and not everyone has all the time in the world to go down those rabbit holes or all the money in the world to pay for experts and all the blood tests. And so, um, I have real disdain for the complexity of the health and wellness industry that's grown and a real mission to be a beacon of simplicity in that complexity. Um, and I, I, I believe certainly it serves AG1 if this is true, that a sophisticated customer is going to seek simplicity. Uh, and because they see that all the complexity that they're navigating can't possibly be the sea they have to wade through. I'm certainly fascinated by all the customized medicine out there. I think that trend will continue. That's not the space we play in. We play in, we're the foundation and then you customize on top. We cover a lot. So you don't have to do separate pills and powders, but some people need a little bit more on top. And I think that's really fascinating as testing becomes more accessible, proactive testing. And my belief and my hope is that there's even more movement toward the body has an unbelievable ability to heal itself in many cases, not all. And so in those many, not all cases, the ways the body can be enabled, whether it's fasting for some people or their diet or their movement is, is actually really exciting to see that go from being fringe to a bit more mainstream. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All the things Ayurveda is becoming more mainstream. It is. Ayurveda. (laughs) It is. It is. Absolutely. What's next for Athletic Greens? Well, uh, a few things. One, I'm very excited about some of the marketing and videos and commercials that we'll be launching soon, featuring real customers. Just, you know, not talking about just the product and talking about our customers and their why and the journey they're on is uh, very fulfilling. And I think will be resonant. We've got some pretty powerful bodies of research that we'll be coming out with that's very exciting and at some of these things we've been talking about and then continued innovation. We've iterated AG1 52 times. There will wow. be an iteration 53 where we will just 
continue to upgrade the quality of the ingredients, the ingredients themselves for better combined synergistic outcomes and not changing price. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Now all exciting things. Amazing. And what's next for you, Kat? Spending time with my kids, spending time with family and focusing on my health as we've been talking about, not just because that's our topic, but really like doing the things that even if they create low double digit percentage point increases in my ability to be resilient to whatever life throws at me, I'm really proud of making that investment and modeling it for my kids and my community and continuing to learn some of the ways that I can do that better in a more relevant and accessible way. So health, family, movement, it's the simple, simple, basic things for me and doing my best to lead the team at AG uh, and really amplifying what a simple, beautiful habit AG1 is. And our goal is to have millions of people who not only drink AG1 first thing in the morning as a part of their daily routine and choosing themselves, you know, we like to say, you have no idea what your day is going to shape up to be, but you can control your morning. Um, And helping those customers have more ways to share AG1 with people that they love. So I'm just insane. I'm chief fangirl. That's my role. I'm chief fangirl. I'm incredibly proud. And to your point earlier of how does AG connect with my mission, I don't have like a work and a home life. This is all one mission. What I'm investing in for myself is what I want, a piece of what I want our company to enable for others in whatever way is appropriate for them, whatever point in the journey they're on. Wow. Take my breath away. That's amazing. Cause I agree with everything. I, I feel like you have just spoken a lot of things that are true for me too. So thank you for that. And I feel like this is a really good place for us sort of, for us to sort of wind up our time together. So I just have one last question for you. If I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? I don't know why the word enablement just came to mind. It's like, not not an answer, not a solution, not a fix, but that the enablement is the catalyst, the allowing healing to occur instead of trying to heal. That just enablement came to mind. And community comes to mind. It is very difficult to heal or catalyze healing alone. Yeah. Beautiful. Kat, thank you so much for doing this with me. I have learned so much from you and I really, really look forward to seeing what you and AG1 do. Incredible. Thank Uh, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, Find me on Instagram at Avanti Kumar Singh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.